0: Good morning. Oh boy. That was good. Little, little hot. That's okay. So, this won't make sense to you that are sitting here, but those that are at home will know. Because you're not watching this right now, probably, because we had technical difficulties. So when you do watch this on YouTube later on, was that someone's cell phone? Ernie Phillips. I mean... I didn't say your name. Um, So we had some technical difficulties, uh, no idea what happened. Uh, And of course, as it would happen, Becca is our usual rock star at the back. And she told me, I won't be able to be here this week. I was like, no problem. We can take care of that. I haven't done it in months. And then I had to do the slides, and that didn't go very well, obviously, trying to figure everything out. So I apologize. Um, This morning has been a gong show but uh but it 's good to be here it 's good to be with you it's good to see you all and uh and so, I just want to pray as we start because uh, I am rattled this morning let 's pray. God thank you that we can be here that we can open your word, that we can read the truth of your scriptures to us, that we can know that it is true and that it speaks right to our heart and so just give us wisdom. Uh, As we navigate through this topic and and help us uh, have understanding, not only in our minds, but in our hearts also. Amen. So normally, normally, normally summer starts in July, not in June. Um, And I was going to wait to start this sermon series until next week, but 1 Corinthians has taken a long time to get through. And we were going to start chapter 14 this week, but it's going to take me at least three weeks to get through fourteen. And I didn't want to stop kind of midway through, so I decided, man, we're just going to start. It's June 27th. The weather is summer out, so why not? So here we go. Now, how many like the heat? Plus 37 is good. Now, normally I'm with you, but Mervin, Mervin's sitting over here. Mervin, um, every now and then Mervin calls me up and we have a little side job and I go help him do some reshingling of houses. Somebody's phone is going off. Is it me? I'm off. <laughs> it is Ernie. Okay, okay, everyone at home knows now. Anyway, the point being is I help Mervyn uh, with roofs sometimes, and, uh, and he always says that my job, because I have very limited skills on the roof, my job is to pray that it doesn't rain. That's my only job. Well, I've not been real good at that job over the last couple of years. It's not always gone smoothly. And I think in his frustration with me, he prayed that I would have to now suffer shingling my own house this week during plus, you know, 47 weather. So if you feel sympathy for me and Mervyn up on the roof, we do take slushies as payment. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But that's where we'll be this week, uh, and I just think it's hilarious that somehow, uh, I did not, this is bad to admit, I did not even pray for the weather for this roofing job. I apologize, Merv. And maybe he did, and so now we find ourselves at this place. So heat stroke is a real possibility. Anyway, that's just the fun stuff. Uh, you can open to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, this morning, so if you're, if you're new or, or visiting, this morning we're going to bounce around a lot. Typically what we do uh, is I just pick a book of the Bible, and we just work our way through it. So we've been going through 1 Corinthians since January, uh, and we'll jump back in in September till about October, if all things go according to plan. But for the summer, the idea is simply this, is any question that you have about faith, about Christianity, about a Bible passage that you've read, or or man, we believe this, but I'm not sure really why we believe this. That's kind of the idea for the summer. And I think so often we get worried that I don't really want to ask that question because I, th- I think maybe, maybe I should know the answer, but I don't know the answer. And I think because of that, sometimes we don't ask these questions that sometimes are pretty fundamental to our faith. And we all grow up in different cultures. We all grow up in different church traditions. And, and so sometimes we're not always speaking the same language. So I think it's good for us to come together and, and for you to be willing to ask. And again, we, you can do this anonymously, very easily. Ask a question where you're like, man, I, I don't feel comfortable putting my name to this, but I, I need to know this. People talk about this idea or this topic or, or whatever it might be. And, and so that's what brings us kind of to this place so we can deal with. Some of it will be fundamental things to do with Christianity. And s- you might be sitting here thinking, man, well, I know this. Like this seems obvious to me. Well, that's great, I'm glad, but it's not obvious to everyone. Some of us have grown up in different traditions where some of these things have maybe just not been talked about or not looked at or not explored. And so that's the idea here behind this. So we're going to bounce around from different texts this morning even to try and deal with this question uh, because it's a good question, but it is, the summer will be kind of a different way to study the Bible than we typically do. Uh, but there 's not it 's not a wrong or a bad way it's it 's necessary and it 's good so prayer that 's what we are going to study and what we're going to look out look at this morning is a very practical question because prayer is supposed to be a very central part to the Christian faith. When you read through the New Testament and you read through what uh what paul 's letters write, you often see a prayer of thanksgiving that he writes in there. And he often encourages uh, the people in those churches to pray for one another, to pray for others, to pray that people would come to faith, to pray that they would stand strong in the midst of temptation. And Paul often always closes his letters with this, and and would you pray for me also? And so prayer is this multifaceted thing. And and simply put, it's, it's this idea of conversation with God. However, this morning, instead of dealing generically with prayer, I want to I read the question in just a minute that came in, and then we're going to deal with the specifics of that question, and then we'll back up just a little bit and talk about prayer a little bit more generically then. So here's the question that was written. Who exactly do we pray to? Jesus taught us that the Lord, sorry, Jesus taught us the Lord's prayer and how to pray to our Father in heaven. But are there times when we pray to Christ like when we thank him for his sacrifice are there times when we pray and ask the Holy Spirit uh, for a verse to strengthen us and so on so uh, anybody ever wondered that before I think probably most of us have uh, I'm going to give you a secret here this isn't this is not good for me but um, there's a podcast called ask dr John John Piper and There's all kinds, this is the same kind of deal, all kinds of questions. And you can ask these questions, and he deals with about a 10 to 15 minute answer on these various things. And uh, and in, sorry, it's ask Pastor John, not Dr. John, ask Pastor John. This question popped up, and so I'm actually not even going to, I'd listen to it, but I'm not even going to talk about anything that he talks about except to say this, is he began it by saying that over the many years in ministry, this is the number one question that he's been asked over his 30 odd years in ministry. And so I think many of us are in the same position. And, and again, it might be like this thing of like, maybe I should know this, but I don't. And so we just kind of pretend and we talk in this kind of Christianese language. And, and then, But then all of a sudden we're sitting at home, we're like, who should I be praying to? What's, what's the correct way to do this? And, and like I said, we have all grown up in different traditions. And Shayla and I were having this discussion this week as we talked about this question. And she said this, and I'm not going to name names, but she said when she grew up in church, that she remembered being taught that if you don't pray to Jesus, that you're not praying scripturally and that your prayer will not be answered. I'm just going to give you a quick answer. That's wrong. That's not scriptural. But those things that we get taught, especially when we're younger, they, they stick with us. And then we start to think certain things about what Scripture says and what it doesn't say. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at this. Do we pray to the Father, or should we pray to the Father, should we pray to the Son, or should we pray to the Spirit? Easy answer? Yes. Complicated answer coming. So we're going we're gonna to look at this, but I'm going to suggest that as, as we flip through these passages, you'll see that this answer, yes, is, is pretty clear. And then I want to deal with the question of, so why have we grown up in these traditions that have taught you need to pray this way rather than this way? Or this passage is okay, this is a good example of prayer, but this one's maybe not. So this starts us in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. And when we, if you remember the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is written to a, a Jewish group of people in various churches that have uh, professed faith in Jesus Christ. They believe, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. But the letter is written, um, and we don't know who the letter is actually written to. Sometimes people refer to him as the pastor. Uh, He writes back to these groupings of churches to try and remind them, don't slip back into your old ways. Don't fall back into that old covenant. Because the old covenant was good and it had purpose, but it was pointing to Jesus. Jesus is here now, and so he makes this argument, and as you kind of read through Hebrews, it's, it's Jesus is greater, he's superior to the angels, Jesus is greater, he's superior to people like Abraham, like Moses, and, and so on, and then ultimately in chapter 4, we get to this idea of this high priest. That's something maybe that's not as familiar to us, but basically in the Hebrew faith, the high priest was this kind of mediator between them and God. They didn't have access directly to God. They had to speak through this high priest, and so uh, the writer, the pastor here says this in verses 14, 15, and 16 of chapter 4. He says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne, of, the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he's saying that while there was a high priest in the Old Testament that was this go between, that changed every time the high priest finished and a new high priest came in. But he's saying now there is one. There is one who mediates between God the Father and us for all time and that is Jesus. And so often This is the kind of idea where we come and we then pray something and then we finish our prayer with what? In Jesus' name, amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad with that. The theology is very sound there, is that Jesus is our high priest. The only reason we have access to God is through him. However, we have to back up just a little bit and make sure that we're not boxing the Bible into some kind of really rigid set of parameters that it doesn't exist in. And sometimes we think of it as this, God is completely holy, right? And that's true. God's completely separate. He's, a complete, he's other than we are. And so we need Jesus, and all of that makes sense. But sometimes we take it too far and we say that God cannot even be like, in relationship with us except from the point of Jesus. But then how do we deal with the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, God appeared to Adam and Eve? Adam, where are you? We're going to talk about this next week in the next week's question. But what we have to see here is that God is actively involved in our lives right from the beginning of Scripture, planning and preparing. And and the issue is that Jesus alone can atone for our sins. He's the only one that can forgive our sins so that we can enter into a meaningful relationship the way that God has created us to be. And so is Jesus our mediator? Absolutely. Does that mean we only have to pray to Jesus? Well, that doesn't make sense. And the question that I read already illustrated that. And So I'm going to get you to flip back uh, to Matthew chapter 6. And just while you're getting there, this is uh, the Lord's Prayer, and and many of you know this really well. But just before we get to the Father aspect, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, uh, Paul says that Jesus is our mediator. Very, very clearly. In John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus says this, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So that implies what? When we pray, we pray to Jesus. Right? Now, now again, if we think of it in this context of, of as long as I finish my prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen, then the prayer is blessed and then I'm good. Missing the point then. It's not the way it works. How many of you prayed to win the lottery? As long as you say in Jesus' name, amen. And then our church will be just flush with cash. No, I'm just kidding. That's bad. Don't uh, back that up and erase that last bit. The point is not this tagline. The point is what Jesus is trying to get us at is that he is our mediator. And as we approach the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews, we can boldly approach that throne because of what Jesus has done for us. And so should we ask in the name of Jesus? Yes. But should we ask in the name of the Father? Well, if we, if we you know, I told you to flip there. I didn't flip there. Matthew 6. The disciples are kind of with Jesus and they ask the question. Man, teach us. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus is this. Verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? We know this. How many of you used to say this every single day? Right? Like I remember when I was a kid in school, every day, this is just part of the routine. And, and as I was kind of studying this, is, I came across something that I probably have heard and, and knew but had just forgotten, is that commentators and scholars think that when Jesus is talking about this, this isn't this like, this is the exact prayer to do, but it also was, this is the exact prayer to do, kind of two things here. One is, this is something you need to pray every single day, and most scholars said the idea is that Jesus was saying, you need to remind yourselves of these things multiple times a day. So pray this prayer. But he also says pray like this because he's giving us a pattern by which to pray. So I was listening to a sermon from Tim Mackey this week and he, he notes a connection here. He says in Matthew 22, and we looked at this last week, in Matthew 22, a group of teachers come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Two things. Love God and love people. And what, what Tim suggested in this is he says, I'm going to quote him here, it seems to me that Jesus has given us a prayer that reflects these two priorities, loving God and loving people. Where our first, sorry, Where we first orient ourselves towards the Father and express our loyalty and allegiance and love for the Father and his priorities in our world. And then we turn our attention to us. This is Jesus condensing the very heartbeat of the kingdom movement that he is launching. So he goes on and he explains, and I agree with him here, that this type of prayer is something that we, all of us, need to be reminded of daily. And probably more often than just once a day. So again, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not a term we really use today other than... the one day that is supposed to be the most anti-Christian day, right? Uh, but what is the word hallowed? What's, what are we getting at? Holy is your name. God, you are completely set apart. What do we sometimes forget? We forget how holy God is. And Jesus is saying, when you, when you pray, remind yourselves to whom you are praying. A God that is completely holy, totally separate from us so that it prepares us. Uh, Francis Chan talks about reading um, Revelation chapter 4 in the throne room of God and slowing yourselves down so that you recognize that this is not just a buddy that you're talking to, but this is the holy one of the universe that's created all things. Slow down. Holy be your name. And then we need to be reminded, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because sometimes on earth it doesn't feel like God is maybe in in control that we think he should be. We see difficulties and challenges and obstacles and pains and hurts and, and we have all these questions and we go, God, are you really, like, are you at work the same way on earth that you are in heaven? We need to remind ourselves that God is completely sovereign. That God is at work. That God has purposes for our pains and our hurts and the difficulties and all kinds of the obstacles and challenges that we face. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray, when you go to the Father, remember some of these things. Even when he says, give us today our daily bread. Now, I missed this and this is just flat out embarrassing. The Hebrew people were literally given their daily bread. How? Fallen from the sky in the form of man is saying, You like, you can't even de- you don't deserve this, you can't even earn it. I'm just gonna let it rain down right in front of you. I will provide for you. That's what God says to his people. And we need to be reminded of that when when the bank account is not so good. And when we're like, man, I don't like, are we gonna pay our bills or are we gonna eat this month? I don't know what to do. God, would you give us our daily bread? Because you control everything and you can just drop food from the sky if you want to. When we read through this type of idea, forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Some people will argue here and go, but your sins are already forgiven and so you do not need to pray that your sins are forgiven again. I don't think that's the point of what he's saying here. Right, like I I use this example lots, is is in your vows when you get married, you might say something like, Shayla, I will promise to be patient with you and to forgive you the rest of your life for whenever you wrong. me." Does that give her a get out of jail free card where she's like, I guess I never need to ask for forgiveness again. He'll always forgive me. Is is Yes, God has forgiven all sins, past, present, and future, but when we choose our own way and we go away from God or when we hurt God, that relationship suffers. And so it's not a matter of our sin is not forgiven, it's that our relationship is not right between us and God. So we go to him and we confess those things, not because the, the penalty for those sins hasn't already been sufficiently paid for. It has in the blood of Jesus. But the issue is that our relationship is not what it should be, what it could be. And then he also reminds us, and and while we do that, also we need to forgive our debtors. Why? Well, he goes on to explain, "If if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive yours. It's not like he's trying to hold us hostage here. He's simply saying, is if you recognize how great you've been forgiven, then you will forgive. It's just simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate this. So Jesus gives us this pattern, this here's how I want you to pray. So should we pray to the Father? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, it's not as though Jesus is only speaking to 12 individuals and goes, okay, just for these next two and a half years while you're with me still, this is how I want you to pray, but then it's all going to change. Saying, This is how to pray. Remind yourself that God is in control. Remind yourself that he's sovereign. Remind yourself that he takes care of you. Remind yourself that everything that you need, he will give you. Remind yourself that you need to be forgiven and you need to be forgiving others. And last, I skipped it, and you need to be asking that you would not be led into temptation and that God would deliver you from evil. So, should we pray to the Father? Yes. What about the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 6, Paul talks about uh, preparing for spiritual warfare. We talked about this in one of our Bible studies this week. And you get this imagery, right, of all the various components to the armor. And he gives, you know, like, you got to be ready. You need your shield of faith and you need the gospel of peace and the helmet of salvation and so on and so on. But he ends by saying this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplication. Pray in the Spirit. You can flip to Jude, the little tiny book of Jude, right at the end of the Bible, right before Revelation. We're just going to read a few verses from there. Starting in verse 17, he says this, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. I think it's safe to say that that's been ever since then till now. We are in those same times as they were. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, so contrast, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. He actually asks us to pray in the Holy Spirit so that we would keep ourselves in the love of God. So there's this partnership with the Spirit. For the sake of time, we're just going to keep going. But should we pray to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So, scripturally speaking, can you think of any passages ever that say something like, when you're going to thank God for your salvation, only address it to the Son. Like we, we, Those passages don't exist. They're not there. So, where did this kind of thing come from? Here's my opinion. I think this type of logic comes from the simple fact that we can't really understand the Trinity, but we really want to. Now, again, a few months ago, just probably a year and a half ago or so, uh, I did preach through some of uh, our core doctrine, and we did talk about the Trinity there. And so you can go back on the website, you can listen to that if you want to get there. The spoiler alert is, I did not explain to you how the Trinity works. I am not qualified to do that. In fact, anybody ever, how many of you have, you know, sat down or been lying in bed one night and just tried to like process that a little bit? And how far did we get? You either fell asleep or you couldn't then sleep because your brain is like, this doesn't make sense. Three, three persons. In one person, he is, okay. That's it. That's all we know, right? Like, we don't know how to make sense of that. And so I think in, in our very analytical mindset and in our culture, we're like, okay, let's just dichotomize this. So there's God, the Father. He's the creator, and then there's Jesus, and he, he's the one who actually died on the cross for our sins, so he's the kind of forgiver, and then the Holy Spirit, he's the convictor. Okay, so let's just lump those nicely into three, and then when we think about it, we just address it to one of those three. Except then John comes along and he says that actually when God was creating, Jesus was with God in the beginning. Okay. So was, was, was God the Father there, and Jesus and the Spirit were facing this way, and then God speaks? The Father speaks, and then the earth is created, and then, and then the Spirit and the Son turn around and go, "Wow, that's amazing!" Right? Like it, we cannot process and make this. It doesn't mean that it's it doesn't mean that the Trinity is wrong. In fact, and I argue this all the time, is you you shouldn't want to worship something that you can explain. Right? We do want that sometimes, but really, what we're saying is, I just want to worship me, and not someone that has authority over me. Is the very fact that I, I mean, the fact that a God who created me cannot be understood by me, his creation, just makes logical sense. But we just don't really like that. And so we want to dichotomize it because somehow it makes it a little bit easier for us to understand And so when we read certain parts of Scripture, we maybe are more apt to, you know, we're reading the Psalms and David's talking about God creating the heavens and the earth and how intricate this is all. We look out and we go, God, thank you for creating. And maybe we address that to the Father in that moment because of the text that we've just read. It doesn't mean it would be wrong to thank Jesus or the Spirit. I think we dichotomize it and we try to make it make sense when to God he's just going, just just pray. Just talk to me. I I almost think it's like God saying, I don't care which one of, this is a confusing sentence, which one of you, you, which one of me you pray to, right? Like, I, I, I don't even, my head hurts now, sorry. It does not matter to whom. We address it. It's not this moment of where if we were to say something like, God, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Oh no, sorry, that was Jesus that did that. Right? Like doesn't matter. But I think we get hung up there and we go, which is correct, because sometimes I hear people praying to the Father and only the Father. And sometimes in other traditions, they pray to the Spirit and they ask, Why don't you do it this way? And why do you do it that way? What are your traditions? And I think it's good for us to see some of those different traditions. It's good for us to step back and ask, why do I do it this way? But at the same time, it ought to bring us back to the simple reality that God wants fellowship with us. So we communicate to him. So we talk to him. And if if we address the wrong person of the Trinity, it's not like somehow the other two turn their backs and they go, we're not listening anymore. When you're, when you have little children and your little children want to talk to you, you don't go, man, you got to call me by the exact right name here or I'm not listening. You just care that they're talking to you. Doesn't, none of that other stuff really matters. And does it matter for us in our growth and in our maturity? Yes, I think as we read through scripture and we realize just how multifaceted God is. Man, that's awesome. Shayla, if you want to put that picture up, I I, I found this on Google. You should never find things on Google. You never know what's coming. But you read through here, right, and, and you just look at it. And here's all the varying names in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures that identify a different aspect of God and his character. And you see this all through Scripture where the psalmist or where the prophet cries out to God and and. They're dealing with a specific characteristic or a specific idea, and that's who they address. And that's good. That's awesome. But it's not the only way. It's not like if you don't pray to Jehovah Jireh who provides that we go, oh, oh, now I've just done this wrong, and so I need to say it different. No. It's simply there to remind us of just how completely other God is to us he is capable of being our sustainer, our provider, our protector, the most high, the Lord of hosts, the God who sees, the righteous one, our everlasting God, the king, our rock. It's all imagery of the same thing. It's ways in which we describe there is a God that I serve that I cannot neatly quantify in one little package. He's far too much for me, and so I appeal to some of these aspects of his character and and I don't think it matters if we get it wrong when we pray something to God and and oh, I think maybe I should have addressed that to the spirit, I should have addressed that to the son i just I don't think it matters. Commune with God when Paul teaches us, he says, "Pray, yes, pray when Jesus." pray to the Father, but Jesus also says, ask in my name, but also pray in the Spirit. Do all of these things. A few months back, I started a a reading through the Bible program with a, a friend of mine from Winnipeg, and in that process, they say to pray through a psalm every day. And about a month after I started that, then in my seminary course, I had to read this book called Praying Through the Bible. And so then he talked about praying through the Psalms, and, and, and I, this has been the most helpful thing that has ever happened in my life in prayer, is instead of just sitting down and generically praying about the things going on in my life, what's happening, my family, my friends, I still pray for all those things, but instead of just having that, I open scripture, and I read through, I'm just going to show you exactly what this looks like, because it doesn't even matter where we pick it from, it's super, super easy. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength at his belt. And I stop and I go, Lord, thank you that you reign over the world. Thank you that you are in control of my life. And even though today it doesn't really feel like it because I got way too much to do and I don't know how I'm supposed to accomplish it, that yet you are the one in control of my life. Help me be reminded of that throughout the day. It's one verse, but they're God's words to us, and that changes the way in which we pray because we start to see things. Now, yes, there are moments where they're praying towards something, and we're actually at this side looking back. And so when they pray in the Psalms about the Messiah who is to come, we can thank God that the Messiah has come. But it orients us towards what Scripture has already said. What we can be reminded of, verse 5 of 93, your decrees are very trustworthy. God, thank you that I can trust you when I know that I can't trust me. Our prayers just start to open up so much more deeply because it's not, God, I really have a lot to do today. My family needs help. And thank you for whatever the one thing that's on my mind is. Someone once said, often when we pray, we pray the same old things in the same old ways. And our prayers get shorter and shorter and shorter because we start to condense them and we just like, well, God knows what I mean. And we just pray for 10 seconds and we're done. When praying is not really about asking God, it's not really about thanking God, it's not really about petitioning. All those are parts of it. It's about communing with God. And so if you think about it in the context of your spouse, is if you spend 30 seconds a day with your spouse, how much does your relationship grow? probably actually regresses. Somebody just giggled out there. <laughs> Whereas if we take some time and intentional and we sit down and we say, God, I'm gonna spend these next moments, this next however long it is, and I'm gonna read scripture and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna thank you for who you are, what you are doing, and I need to be reminded the same way of the Lord's prayer that you are in control. Then I'm called to love you and then I'm called to love Others. This is this is how we are to pray. It. It's not a matter of do exactly this, but remind yourselves of who God is. So I know we're nowhere near the original question now. But I think it's something that we all need to hear. And so I would encourage you, pick up the Bible and read a psalm. And then spend time praying. I think it was Martin Luther who said, I have too much to do today, so I'm going to wake up an extra hour early and spend an extra hour in prayer. It's very easy to go, man, I just don't have time. But the simple truth of our lives is we have time for what matters to us. We will always make time for what matters. And so do we want to be people that pray? Do we want to be people that call out to God, that have a, a deep and meaningful intimate prayer life with him, the only, re- the only way to do that is be intentional and do it. And to say, God, I'm going to give you these moments. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to remind myself of who you are and what I need. And You'd be surprised just how far as you read through a psalm and as you pray, just how diverse your prayer life gets in just those few minutes. It's almost as though the psalms were written for us so that we would know how to communicate with God. I say that facetiously because that's what the Psalms are there for. So let's do that together. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. God, in our world, it can be very easy to get distracted and so focused on the things that seemingly are happening that we would think is awful and wrong. And how could you allow these things to happen? But God, as we read through scriptures, we are reminded that you are patient, that you are slow to anger and abounding in love, and you desperately want us to be in relationship with you, and you are so patient and so merciful to us. And so God, when our world seems like it's in chaos and beyond hope, would you remind us that that is the exact stark contrast between what it means to trust in you? And so help us to reorient ourselves back towards you. That we could hear from you and what your scriptures are teaching us. So that we would know who you are. So that we can remind ourselves of your faithfulness all throughout history. When we pray, help us to not get too hung up and and focused on which member of the Trinity should I pray to. But help us to just want to commune with you. God, help us to share our hurts and our concerns. Help us to share our struggles. Help us to share our joys and our triumphs. Help us to remember how desperately we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our life because we are so weak without you. And we need you so desperately. Help us to remember the cross often. Remind us that there is hope for us because of the blood of Jesus, that our sins are forgiven and that we can be in relationship with you. What a privilege, what a blessing, what an honor that is. God, help us to become more and more intentional in the way in which we pray. And let us allow Scripture to guide us and direct us towards that. God, everything that we need to know about you is written in Scripture. And so would we pour over it? Would we wake up earlier in the morning or go to bed later at night, or whatever our routine is, so that we can have more time with you? Help us to prioritize that. God, help us to find hope and meaning and purpose and joy in your Scriptures and in our daily commune with you. So God, we pray to you because we know that you hear us. We pray to you completely (laughs) unaware of how a trinity works. And yet knowing that you have revealed yourself to us in this way. So God, we will pray to the Father, we will pray to the Son, and we will pray to the Spirit. God, may you receive honor and glory from how we communicate with you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our world, in our community, in our town. And God, we are so excited that next week that we can be back together in a more intimate way than we've experienced in a long, long time. So we praise you for that. We eagerly look forward to these coming days. We love you. Go with us now. Amen. Thank you for joining us again next week. There's going to be, just get this in your head, there'll be food over there and coffee and and you can visit and and we won't turn the light, I might turn the lights out on you if you're here too late. Um, No, I'm just kidding. We'll visit, we'll hang out, we'll fellowship, it'll be awesome. Uh, I know Jordan and I are very excited to not sing with a mask on anymore because I'm pretty sure I'm dying of my own like bad breath when I do that. We're just really, really excited and so we're looking forward to seeing you. Make sure that you are inviting your friends, your family, uh, your coworkers, uh, and we will just gather together and we will worship. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.